Welcome. You are listening to Park Avenue Podcasts, and this is Rabbi Elliot Cosgrove. While it's always better to hear it live, this is a place to be to catch the music, sermons, and select programs of Park Avenue Synagogue. If you like what you are hearing or want to learn more about the community, please check out our website at www.pasyn.org. Enjoy our latest installment. Shabbat Shalom, everyone, and welcome to 2021. Happy New Year. For the past few weeks, my social media feeds have been filled with retrospectives on the past year. People stating their resolutions and sharing their hopes for the future. Yet, I find myself every secular New Year feeling a sense of deja vu. Didn't we already do this four months ago when we prepared for the high holidays? As Jews, we've already done the hard work of reflection and reorientation. Do we really need to go through this process again? Are we in need of a do-over? This would not be our only second chance holiday. In the Torah, we read about a group of Israelites who, unable to participate in the festivities of Passover with the rest of the community, petitioned Moses to institute a Pesach Sheni. We read in the book of Maccabees that Hanukkah was actually a Sukkot Sheni, a chance to observe the Feast of Booths after reclaiming the temple in Jerusalem. In the Middle Ages, the Kabbalist Rabbi Moshe Cordovero inaugurated a Yom Kippur Sheni, a Day of Atonement light, to be observed before the start of every new month. And throughout the 19th century, you would find the Jews of Zaragoza celebrating Purim Sheni, a second Purim on the 18th of Shabbat. To the south, the Jews of Fez marked the first of Elul as Purim Sheni. Across Europe, Africa, and Asia, Jewish communities commemorated local stories of deliverance with a second Purim, another chance to celebrate the blessing of overcoming impossible odds in that classic formulation, they tried to kill us, we survived, let's eat. So why not a Rosh Hashanah Sheni? Now, four months into 5781, we are more aware of what we need from this year, which of our resolutions were well-intended, but in the end, unrealistic, what we have held onto that no longer serves us, and perhaps the things we let go of, which in truth, we actually needed. The secular new year is a second chance to become aware of where we are. And standing in the mire of these past few months as we push through Zoom burnout, as we try another self-care strategy, as we continue to hold the pain of so much loss, perhaps what we need most is the hope that comes from a new beginning again. The book of Genesis, which we finish reading today, closes with two sets of blessings. The first set of blessings offered by Jacob come from an awareness of what has been. He looks at his grandchildren and each of his sons and observes them and their futures through the lens of history. Jacob begins with Ephraim and Menashe, his grandchildren. When the two boys are brought before him, he places his right hand on the younger brother and his left on the elder brother. Joseph attempts to correct his father, as his dominant hand should be offered to the firstborn son. Yet Jacob replies, 
I know what I'm doing. While both Ephraim and Menashe will be blessed with abundance, they are bound by the historical fact of this family. The elder always serves the younger. Isaac before Ishmael, Jacob before Esau, and you, Joseph, before your ten older brothers. Shortly after blessing his grandchildren, Jacob calls his twelve sons to his bedside. Through these blessings, he offers each of them an honest account of who and what they are. For Jacob, their future is defined and delineated by the past. Reuben is admonished for his past transgressions. Shimon and Levi's history of violence spills into the remainder of their lives. Judah's self-sacrifice becomes a lifetime of public service. Zebulun will spend his days at sea in perpetuity. Issachar, always the mule, will toil over the land, and Dan, like a viper, will continue to bite at the heels of his enemies. Where God will exist in a permanent state of constant movement, his brother Asher will rest in one place in abundance. Eloquent and graceful, Naphtali will always be defined by the words he speaks, and a history of exceptionalism will continue to separate Joseph from his brothers. Finally, Benjamin will live his life consumed by a wolf-like hunger. In each of these blessings, we see how the person Jacob understands his sons to be will continue unchanged into the future. This is not to fault Jacob for his words. They are honest and even in their harsher moments demonstrate that he sees each of his children in the fullness of their being. Or at least their being up until that moment. For in these blessings, Jacob omits the possibility of change and of second chances. So let us turn to the second set of blessings offered by Joseph. After their father dies, Joseph's brothers become worried that he will seek revenge for how they treated him as a child. Certainly this history is on their minds, having just been reminded of their past mistakes by their father. And so they throw themselves at Joseph's feet, begging him to be merciful towards them. Joseph is surprised and saddened. Am I God, he asks, that I would understand the workings of history? Perhaps everything that has happened occurred so that we could reach this very moment and all of the possibilities that it contains. This is Joseph's blessing given to each of his brothers. It is one that does not come from an understanding of what has been, but from an awareness of what could be. In his brothers, he recognizes the capacity for change. And from this place of compassion and hope, he reminds them toward the possibility of an unknown and unpredictable future. These past few months, I suspect we have all been a little like Jacob. We are acutely aware of the events that have brought us to this moment as we sift through the consequences of past mistakes, whether our own or those of other people. As we account for the unimaginable loss of this pandemic, the continued distrust between people of different political orientations, the overwhelming task of healing our planet, it can seem like we are fated by history. Perhaps we are like Ephraim and Menashe, defined by patterns established by those who came long before us. Or maybe we are like Reuven or Shimon or Levi, trapped in a cycle of our own making. And all the work 
we put in four months ago to cultivate and tend a space within ourselves for hope has been forgotten. Yet it would be a mistake to think that the intentions we set at Rosh Hashanah should have borne fruit right away, like the slow process of healing that had to happen between Joseph and his brothers. These things take time. The essential and often difficult task is to maintain that hopeful orientation toward the future. So perhaps this is the moment we need. Rosh Hashanah Sheni, a second new year to take a moment and quiet the part of us that is like Jacob, so painfully aware of the past and its consequences. So we can listen to the part of us that is like Joseph, committed to the belief that change is possible. May this new year bring each of us the hope and the courage to envision futures that have yet to come into being. Shabbat Shalom. Thank you for listening to Park Avenue Podcasts, a place to be to catch the music, sermons, and select programs of Park Avenue Synagogue. If you like what you are hearing or want to learn more about the community, please check out our website at www.pasyn.org. See you in shul. Hallelujah.